Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul for Soul Radio 101.9. Hi FM, it's great to be with you here today, this afternoon. I am Rabbi Ari Kiedman, and we are very busy with our Sukkah Mobile. We are going all over Johannesburg, visiting all of the senior facilities, as many as we could get to. We were visiting various places and if you would like us to visit you just reach out to me and we'll make sure to come to you and shake a little bit extra good we have the sukkah mobile we'll let you come inside and have a bracha in the sukkah wherever you might be there's one day left of the sukkah's festival and as we're drawing to close of this seven festive days of celebration we know it's certainly not over and we're going to be going tomorrow evening to Shminiat Seres and Simchas Torah. Of course, no doubt right here, you've been learning all types of ideas about the festival with all the great presenters here on this show. But Rabbi, as Rabbi of the Chabad Seniors Program, I would like to share with you my tips and suggestions and some ideas and insights on how to make this festival most meaningful for those, especially senior citizens, who are stuck at home. And before I tell you that, I just have to remind you, you are never stuck alone, even if you are at home, and even if there's no one else with you. Remember, don't you know you're never alone, never alone, it doesn't matter where you are. There's nothing in his eyes more special than you, wherever you go. Hashem is with you. Okay, I know I don't exactly have a singing voice today. We've been singing so much about this festival of Sukkot. Hope you don't mind that. Didn't crack any windows. Well, gave it my best for today. Possible. We still have to sing. After all, it's Sukkot and we're reaching Simchas Torah. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But remember, wherever you are, Hashem is with you. And so don't ever feel alone. And in fact... Speaking of alone, the festival that begins tomorrow evening is called Shmini Atzeros. Shmini Atzeros literally means restriction of the eighth day. Now, what does that mean, restriction of the eighth day? Because we're not allowed to work on this day, especially, yes, it's Shabbos. But back in the times of the temple, during the seven days of Sukkot, we Jews brought a total of 70 bullock offerings to pray for the 70 nations of the world. And the Talmud describes to us, although yes, it's true, that there are more than 70 nations of the world, but you could say that this is symbolic of the United Nations, or at least back in those days, of the 70 nations that the Torah enumerates that descended from Noah. And that's representative of all the nations of the world, and they were all included in the sacrificial offerings that we brought on Sukkot. However, on Shemini Atzeres, this festival that begins tomorrow evening, only one offering was brought to represent the Jewish nation. And so Shemini Atzeres celebrates the unique relationship between God and us, the Jewish people. And so if you look in the Torah, in fact, go to the book of Numbers of Bamidbar, chapter 29, verse 36, and I want you to look at Rashi's commentary there. And Rashi tells us, this is like, Children taking leave of their father. In fact, Talmud discusses this in the next metaphor a little bit more elaborate of a king who invites all of his diplomats, all of his uh, dignitaries and, and ambassadors and all of the governors who are represented in the different countries around his regime. 
and invites them all for a conference. And after the seven days they're all leaving, he turns to his prince, to his child, and says, Kasha Lepradaskan, it's difficult for me to part with you. For my sake, stay another day, let's have some personal family time together. And so, our commentators tell us, for seven days, every nation in the world is represented in our celebrations. At the end of Sukkot, when the party is about to end, and we're about to go home, God asks us to remain one more day, enjoy an intimate party, a one-on-one celebration with God. And this is called Shmini Hatzeres, the restriction of the eighth day. Because after seven days, God asks us to restrict our movement remain in place just one more day that we could celebrate with the Almighty. And so this is Shemini Atzeres. Personally, I can relate to this very well. You know, here I am at Sukkot. My kids are off school. And what do I do to my poor kids? I mean, not my poor kids. I love them. My darlings, they're with me here as we're visiting various places. And they, all they want is a little time with their father, go on a little trip, enjoy some biking. All the other kids are going on outings at Chalamayad. And my kids, no, they have to come with me, shaking a little bit of an esprit with other people, doing mitzvahs, celebrating sukkahs, bringing the joy of the Yom Tif to others. And indeed, uh, on the one hand, we have to be there for everybody else. At the same time, we have to give that special time to our family, to our children, to our loved ones. And I think that certainly is an important message. And that is the message of Shemini Atzeres. That is the message of this holiday. For seven days of Sukkot, we reveled in the revelation of a deep bond that we forged with God and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in the days of awe. Shemini Atzeres is a day that we absorb and we internalize this depth so we could become integrated with it and suffused by it permanently for the coming year that lies ahead of us. And so Atzeres means to restrict the unbridled flow of revelation by absorbing and internalizing it. So what is this Shmini? The eighth, it represents transcendence. Right? We have creation is seven days. Right? Seven represents the cycle of creation. We have the seven divine attributes that are relevant to the physical domain of the world. Seven musical notes. Eight is transcending it. That's why the harp that will, King David's harp in the times of Mashiach, we're told will have eight strings. Eight symbolizes that transcendental level. And this is the time that we become one. It's a celebration of us with Hashem. And hopefully I can internalize that message and tell my dear children that for them too, we'll make a special time to celebrate with them as they've given up of their holiday time for you, for the community. Let's just think about some of the messages of this holiday, and of course, the practical observance of it. Although it's called Shmini, the eighth, it isn't the eighth day of Sukkot, which is interesting. It is really an independent festival. It's a separate Yom of, of its own. Sukkot was about praying for the entire world, as we described, but Shmini Atzeres is focused on us. It's an inward-based, it, it's a time to internalize. And... There are various distinctions between Shmini Atzeres and the other days of the, the festival. In fact, the Gemara in Tractate Rosh Hashanah gives us six specific differences, which I'm not going to go on to now, but if you want, you can go to the Gemara, Dalid Amad Beis, where you could have a full delineated 
uh, all the differences, if that's relevant. But for, what stands out is on Shemini Atzeres, we no longer have to actually sit in the sukkah. Now, it's true that in the Chabad custom, we do still eat in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeres, but we don't say the bracha, leishev sukkah. So we will eat and drink in the sukkah in the Chabad tradition, but you don't have to, halachically speaking, tomorrow is the last day in the sukkah. Also, it is a different name. It's not sukkah as we're currently celebrating. And in fact, if you look in the liturgy of our prayers in the Amidah, as well as in the Kiddush, we don't call it Chag HaSukkos, but instead we say, Shmini HaTzeres HaChag And we in fact say the Bracha Shechiyanu, because it's a completely new holiday, and therefore it generates its own joy. This is the holiday of Shmini HaTzeres. And now of course, a question that was asked is, why two days? And that's a whole separate discussion. Because in Israel, it's only going to be one day. It's true. It's just tomorrow night. Sunday will be Isuchak. Already be already, already a weekday in Israel. But here in South Africa, actually anywhere outside of Israel, or festivals have an additional day. And in a nutshell, the reason for this is because it goes back to the times when the Jewish calendar was arranged by the Sanhedrin. And how did it work back then? There would be two witnesses who would testify if they spotted, if they observed the new moon on the previous night, and then Rosh Chodesh was declared. Now, a lunar month, we know, could either be 29 or 30 days. And in fact, if you look at Muslim holidays, their calendar is completely lunar-based. And therefore, Ramadan, every year, is 11 days later than the previous, or earlier than the previous year, right? Because you have a shortfall, a solar calendar being 365 days, whereas a lunar calendar is generally 354 days. In fact, this year is 353 on our calendar. So we, our calendar is interestingly different because it is solar and lunar. But I'm not going to get into a full discussion today about the Jewish calendar, although I think there's many profound lessons we could take from our combination, the synthesis of lunar and solar. On the one hand, the lunar calendar reminds us that just as the moon waxes and wanes, and we too have better times and worse times, Good days and bad days. As a, as a Hatzalah medic, I could tell you whenever I look at the echocardiogram, the ECG heart monitor, and I see how it's monitoring one's heart and it has ups and downs, and that's exactly a beautiful metaphor of life. Life has ups and downs. Everyone's life. We have good days and we have not, some, not such good days. But remember that if we're down, it's going to get better. And failure is not getting down. Failure is only if you stay down. When I see the ECG monitor is a flat line, another person's dead. When I see going up and down, that's life. Because life has ups, life has downs. And therefore, it's a constant reminder to us that that's the way, if we're down, pick ourselves up. One of the best ways to pick ourselves up is by uplifting others. Especially in this festival of joy. Bring simcha, bring joy to the people around you. And you too will be elevated. You too will feel uplifted. I think it's a very important message that's relevant to all of us. But at the same time, like the sun that's constantly in its place, we too have to have consistency in our faith and our belief in Hashem. And that, therefore, we're able to have a combination of both aspects of the lunar and solar calendar. So getting back to the idea of the way the calendar used to be, it was only by the, the, the moon, the new moon being observed, and then Rosh Chodesh being declared. But people who lived at a distance far away, more than a 10-day journey from Israel. 
And yes, indeed, I was in India 18 years ago, and the Jewish Indian community explained to me that their community dates back to the time of the first temple, that's two and a half thousand years ago. Probably was more than a 10-day journey from Israel. Or Jews lived in Spain during the second temple period. Many Jews lived in many countries outside of Israel. And so, for those Jews, there had to be a way for them to know when to celebrate the holidays. And they didn't know if the previous month was 29 days or 30 days. So the calendar back then, so the decision back then was that everyone would do a two-day holiday outside of the land of Israel. And today we do have a permanent calendar. It was established by Hillel the Great. But he made this calendar in a way that every month was exactly, uh, sorry, it's a 19-year cycle. And inserted was various ways to make the calendar work which I'm not going to go into the depth and details of that now, but the main point is that this tradition was was maintained to distinguish between Israel and outside of Israel, all festivals outside of Israel. We have Yom Tov Shani Shogaliyas, which means an additional day. But I think there's also a profound message and lesson that we could all take from that as well, besides for the lunar solar messages that I, that I mentioned, is that, yes, in a sense, maybe we could say outside of Israel, you know, Israel is the holy land, when a Jew is in Israel, the soul opens to holiness like a flower to the sun. The soul can be nourished and more quickly um, inspired in the Holy Land. As we know, there's an expression that Avira the Eretz Yisrael Machim, even just the atmosphere, the ear of Israel, inspires us. Outside of Israel, the soul is less vibrant. And it takes longer to channel that spiritual nourishment into our soul. So perhaps that's a spiritual reason why we extend Yom Tov by another day outside of Israel. And guess what? It gives us an extra day, a day to celebrate, to be jubilant, to be joyous. But I think there's another idea here as well. Perhaps we could turn it around. You know, every challenge has to be an opportunity. During the last seven months of lockdown and the difficulties of dealing with the pandemic, I'm sure we all saw the great, wonderful opportunities we have here. But living as we do in diaspora outside of Israel, in a less holy atmosphere, also gives us the opportunity that we're able to inject the holiness into the mundane. And we're able to transform the mundane into something holy. That's not something our brethren, our holy brothers and sisters in the land of Israel could do. And of course, when we had this additional day outside of Israel, a day that was just otherwise an ordinary weekday, as it would be in the Holy Land. But we're able to transform an ordinary day into a holy and joyous festival. And this transformational element gives us an additional day of, of, a, of a positive light. Rather than viewing us in diaspora as unfortunate, ugh, we have to have another day. See it the other way. We have extra joy, extra celebration, extra... We're able to to seize this opportunity to transform the mundane into the holy. And that is a really profound and beautiful way of celebrating this time of the year. We'll be right back in a moment after these important messages. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Hi FM, I'm Rabbi Ari Kibane. It is great to be with you here on this wonderful afternoon. 
on Sukkot, and we're bringing the joy of Sukkot throughout Johannesburg with our Sukkotmobile, visiting many Jewish residents at various retirement places, as well as shopping centers. And we, just to remind you, we have Sukkot up at multiple places. You're welcome to join us at the Sandin Central Shul Sukkah, which is open 24 hours a day. We keep the lights on for you. You're welcome to come anytime. Just give me a call for the code to get in or come during the day when we have staff available. You can bring some food. We have some snacks in the sukkah and you can fulfill the mitzvahs inside the sukkah. We have a little bit of an escrow awaiting you as well. Chabad also has sukkahs at various other locations at Benmore Shopping Center, at the Bluebird Shopping Center. Rabbi Shishler's got his sukkah set up at Grayston Shopping Center. And there's one at Norwood Mall and many other places throughout Johannesburg. Or you can call and order the Sycamobile to come visit any retirement location, any nursing home in Johannesburg. We are inundated with so many people that we're visiting, so we have to try to accommodate your request at as 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 best possible. Just let me know and we'll try to come by. And I'm most grateful to my kids for joining me here in the Sycamobile and bringing them into the joy, the festivity of Sycas to others. But of course, tomorrow evening, begins Shemini Atzeret and is extended into Simchas Torah, which means the joy of the Torah. And we were talking before about the festival of Shemini Atzeret. Let's talk about the extension of it, which is Simchas Torah. We know that every Shabbos at Shul, and the truth is every Monday and Thursday in Rosh Chodesh, at festivals we read a portion of the Torah. And we time it in a way that the entire Torah could be completed in a year, which begins on the Shabbos after Simchas Torah, which is next week, Shabbos Bereshis, and we end the cycle on Simchas Torah. What's interesting is that it should make sense to start the Torah cycle reading at the beginning of the year. But that's not really practically possible. Because we are busy with Rosh Hashanah. And then we have Yom Kippur. And of course on the holidays we have its own reading. We don't start Shavuos because the tablets that we received on Shavuos did not endure, did not last because the Jews got tangled up in the sin of the golden calf. And so we go into the second tablets, which we received on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Yes, the first tablets was a wonderful gift, but because of our infidelity, we were trying to figure things out, right? Yes, God forgave us. But the second tablets, which is the Day of Forgiveness, the Day of Yom Kippur, that is something that endured. That wasn't, our loyalty wasn't, Tested, so to say, because we finally learned how to handle ups and downs, our mistakes, our shortcomings. And so because we repented, because we did teshuva, and we were forgiven, not just for the sin of the golden calf, Yom Kippur is a day of atonement and forgiveness for all sins that follow. So we learned how to navigate life with our ups and downs, as we described earlier. And so it's most appropriate that we begin the actual reading of the Torah now, the soonest opportunity that we have after Yom Kippur, which would be next Shabbos. We still have not yet completed the reading of the Torah, and therefore we're going to discuss now the significance, the meaning of the of, of the celebration of Simchas Torah. Because we want to channel the holiness of the days of Yom Kippur, the days of all, and the joy of Sukkot into the Torah that we're going to celebrate the concluding conclusion of reading on Simchas Torah. Of course, looking at the practicalities of it, just as any festival, we're going to usher it in with lighting the candles tomorrow evening at 18 minutes before sunset, which 
Tomorrow evening is at, what is it, 5.51, I think. And then we are going to, so make sure you light it 18 minutes before sunset. Because it is Shabbos, don't light it any later, although you ordinarily can do that in the Yom Tif. And as Yom Tif begins, it's a quick service. We're not going to read the full Shabbos service because we don't want to detract from the focus of Yom Tif. So, at least in the Chabad tradition, we start with Mizma Ladav and Al-Chadodi. But we're going to have a very joyous celebration because after the davening, we go straight into hakafos. This is, you could call it the mini hakafos or the rehearsal of hakafos. And so we'll talk a little bit about how to celebrate with hakafos. It's a time of celebration. And so every time we engage in any mitzvah, we, for example, a few months back, some people might recall there was the Siyam Hashas, which is a seven-year cycle of the study of the entire Talmud. There was a tremendous joyous celebration. Imagine now we completed this reading, and not just reading, but internalizing the message of the Torah in the past year. So we're going to celebrate it now. It's like, it should be the happiest day in our calendar. It, it always boggles my mind why many people go to shul on Yom Kippur, but don't come Simchas Torah. Simchas Torah is a day of festivity, of celebration. And so we have to, we have to really celebrate and dance. And like I said before, that this is a time we have to celebrate and rejoice in every way possible. We become the, dan- we become the dancing feet of the Torah. We don't celebrate the Torah by reading its content. We celebrate it by just celebrating it itself. My wife gave me a wonderful, beautiful metaphor for this, and that is the difference between Shavuos and Simchas Torah. Shavuos can be compared to a king who offered his daughter in marriage, and many suitors were coming, princes wanted to marry her, but the king made one caveat. He said, my daughter is beautiful, the princess is brilliant, is charming, is kind, is generous, is caring, is loving. And of course, any prince who wanted to meet her wished to meet her in person. King said, no, you have to take my word for it. Who wants to marry somebody just by word alone? But along came one prince and said, your honor, you describe her as the most beautiful, charming, intelligent, kind, caring, sensitive person. I take your word for it. Well, this prince married her in a tremendous celebration, which the king threw a big party for. But six months later, the prince himself throws a party. And that's in Chastara. He invites the king and says, When I married your daughter, the princess, I married her on your word. But now I could celebrate that indeed those people, those qualities that you say are indeed accurate and true. So that is the beauty of Simchas Torah, that we initiate the celebration, the joy, celebrating the Torah from our perspective. That's the message of Simchas Torah. That is the lesson, that is the idea that it's, it's a holiday initiated by us. And yes, the Torah scrolls are all come out of the ark, and in under ordinary circumstances, we would be, of course, each the, 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 the Torahs would be held by the people in Shul. Each Shul has to come up with their protocols that were recommended by our local doctors on how to do it this year. But being the Rabbi of Chabad Seniors Program, I want to talk about how you could celebrate this joy in your own home. 
because for the elderly, it's not recommended that they go to shul. So indeed, you have to celebrate in your house. And there are many ways that you could do this celebration. And I encourage each one of you to do this celebration in your home to the best of your ability, with your family, with your, with your loved ones. And if indeed your family, your loved ones aren't able to do it with you, well, then do it at home alone. I'm going to share with you a story just now about Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, the Rebbe, the father, the father of the Rebbe who was exiled in faraway Kazakhstan. And yet how he was able to celebrate Simchas Torah, where it was just he and his wife. No shul, no Torah, no community. Wonderful story that comes to mind. But let's just go through some of the practicalities of the Yom Tov, and then we'll get back to that. The, there is Yiskar, which is usually done on Shabbos, because Simchas Torah is too joyous. And so, when we're in that moment of ecstatic joy, it's not realistic, it's, it's not so practical. We don't want to bring ourselves, we don't want to dampen the spirit. So on Shabbos day, make sure to say Yiskar if you are stuck at home. Certainly you can do Yiskar. Take a moment to connect with your loved ones. Think, reflect, remember about them and make a pledge to a tzedakah of your choice and their merit and read the Yiskar prayers and uh, make sure to to follow through on your pledge, of course, and consider our Chabad Seniors program bringing the joy of Yom Tov to so many with our hundreds of food parcels that we're distributing. And if you could certainly include us in your Yom Tov tzedakah pledges, we would be most grateful. Of course, we don't want to be stuck just in the Yisker mode. So let's talk a little bit about the Hakafas, how you can make Hakafas most meaningful the main hakafas are Saturday night and Sunday, which is Simchas Torah itself. And if you're stuck at home, take a book of Torah and dance with it. Dance around your table. Gather your family together and celebrate with them. After all, it's Simchas Torah in the world. So if you're not in the shul, then do it at home. Of course, when we conclude the reading of the Torah, which we're going to do on Sunday in the shul reading the Torah, we say chazak, chazak, v'nis chazak. We give each other the strength, the, the the encouragement for each person to be strengthened. And so in in the shul, that's the custom, what we do. And of course, at the same time, in the community, if you're stuck at home, do the same thing. Give your family the chizuk, the strength to carry on and to start again, to initiate, to reinitiate the study of the Torah. Because as we conclude the reading of the Torah, right, we take a moment to unpack our custom to the clear chazak. Just think about what is this chazak? We give encouragement. It's not just about ourselves concluding the Torah, but we want to inspire those around us as well they too should be able to study and to apply its messages and its lessons that the Torah, of course, is our blueprint, our guidance for life. And just think about it. The Torah concludes with the word Israel, which is a Lamed. And it begins, we start right away on Sunday, we're going to read the book of Bereshus. And Bereshus begins with the letter Bez. Together, that forms the word Lev. Lev, of course, means the heart. So what does this tell us? That the heart, the Torah is the heart of the Jewish people, like a heart. The Torah is the essence and the deepest dimension of our life. So 
the Torah is not just uh, a passing interest. It's not just a book. You read it and done with it. But rather, we're going to start again and tap into the new messages and lessons it has. And if you want, you can see the continuity of Torah as well in that the Torah ends with the letter Lamed. But the next part, the oral Torah, begins with the letter Mem, Me'emasai. It's a continuity, the continuation. So I think it's a very important time because as the month of Tishrei, that's filled with all our Yamam Tovim, each holiday nourishes our soul in its own special way and offers us the untold large and small experiences that could sustain us for the rest of the year. And the purpose of these holidays is not to escape from the routine of the everyday, but to fortify us spiritually so that we could re-enter our routines of the coming year and we could suffuse them with the holiness, with the joy of this time of the year. So our sages tell us that just as Yaakov Avinu, the Torah describes when we went on his journey, it says, the Yaakov halach the darko. Yaakov embarked on his journey as he had to leave the land of Israel. We're leaving, so to say, this month filled with all of the spirituality, just as Yaakov had to fortify himself, we too want to fortify ourselves. We're like merchants who've come back from a long buying trip. We have to unpack our suitcases to see what we brought home with us from this amazing trip, the month of Tishrei. And we have our suitcases filled with the holy experiences that we accumulated over the 52 days since Rosh Chodesh Elo. And so it's a time to unpack our many memories and our experiences and file them properly so that we can use each one in its appropriate time and place through the coming year. And so my friends, this is the time to tap into those energies, to tap into the joy of Simchas Torah and to celebrate like no time before. I'm going to be spending just a few minutes here with some of the people who are joining us on the Sukkimobile and I'm going to conclude the show in a moment with the story of the Rebbe's father, exiled out in Kazakhstan, where he was able to find a way to tap into the joy of Simchas Torah with just he and his wife, and listen to the story. And I want you to find its message and relevance to how you can tap into the joy of Simchas Torah as you celebrate, even if you're just alone. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul Radio 101.9, Chai FM. So, today I want to share with you a story about Simchas Torah in Kazakhstan. You see, the Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, and by the way, our Chabad Seniors programs are dedicated to his memory. The Rebbe initiated this program in honor and in memory of his father, we called it Tiferet Zekenim, the beauty of the elderly Levi Yitzchak, in memory of his father. And he, his father was the chief rabbi in Yekaterinoslav, today known as the Neva Petrovsk in Ukraine. He basically was the de facto chief rabbi of Ukraine then. Great rabbi, mystic and teacher. He was the chief rabbi from 1908 until his arrest by the Soviet regime in 1939. 1939. Now the Neva Petrovsk is one of the largest cities in Ukraine. And in the 1920s and 1930s, it had a very large Jewish population. There were about 90,000 Jews living in the Nepal Petrovsk in 1939. 
And it included traditional as well as many secularized Jews. Reb Levi Yitzchak was deeply loved and he was revered by all the Jews, by all the residents of the city. And beginning in the 1920s, the Soviets stepped up their ruthless campaign to eradicate Yiddishkeit, the learning and practice of Judaism throughout the entire Soviet Union. Yet, Reb Levi Yitzchak and his cousin, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, who was the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, was actually exiled from the Soviet Union in 1927 for his activity, for basically fighting to preserve Judaism Yiddishkeit in the Soviet Union, refusing to be intimidated by the threats, even as many of his colleagues, many of his students, many were imprisoned, were exiled, were executed. My father was a child growing up in the 1930s in Moscow and described what the underground network that my own grandparents were part of and my great-grandparents. In open defiance of the communist regime, he continued to inspire his students and thousands of others through, uh, throughout the Soviet Union to continue to educate and inspire his community and serve their religious needs. But unfortunately, in March of 1939, before Pesach, Reb Levi Yitzchak was arrested. And after more than a year of torture and interrogations and a very difficult incarceration in Stalin's notorious prisons, Reb Levi Yitzchak was sentenced to exile in Central Asia and he was banished to remote village of Chiali. And I actually gave a whole talk about this a few Two months ago, on the anniversary of his passing, passed away on the 20th of Av in 1944. And it's a whole story of, of its own, but he endured really harsh, difficult conditions of the exile and it took a toll on him. Rebbe Levi Yitzchak's wife, Rebbe Tzunchana Schneerson, described in her memoirs, how she joined her husband to be with him in his place of exile. And she describes the conditions in which they were forced to live, the difficulty that they endured. Chiali was a, a primitive Tartar village that was swamped with dust and mud. Swarms of mosquitoes infested the village. It made the lives of the, of the local inhabitants a misery from morning to night. The houses were built from mud and plaster. The damp walls and dirt floors offered scant shelter from the heavy rains and the hailstorms. The constant strong winds, the searing summer heat, freezing winter weather. Finding housing in that village was a near impossibility. I was reading the, the memoirs, how she described how they searched for a home. And eventually... The rabbi and rabbits were able to rent a tiny space in this, a, a crude dwelling of a Tartar family. I mean, they, they describe how food was extremely scarce and the extreme discomfort and lack of privacy. It was a room in some people's hovel of a home. They suffered hunger, malnutrition. And Rabbi Tzachana recalls that at one time they didn't taste a piece of bread for an entire month. Now, one of her memoirs is the one I want to share with you, 
where she describes how they celebrated Simchas Torah there in Shali. She writes that in Simchas Torah, we had no Torah scroll. We had no guests. And nevertheless, when the time came for Hakafas, it was Simchas Torah after all. Her husband, Rabbi Yitzchak, recited the traditional verses of Atta Hares and a loud voice, as if thousands of people were with him in the shoot. He, chant, he, he was chanting these verses to the same tune that was used in the shul. And just as he did in any previous year of Yom Tov with the entire community together. I mean, here, all they were was just she and her husband. And in the past, they had a whole community. And she was reminded, you know, dancing in their home. Dancing, uh, what it was like dancing in the shul. And here he was reenacting it, dancing in their home. And they didn't have a Sefer Torah. They didn't have anything but a tiny little narrow room. They had a little space between their bed and the table. And yet he danced holding a little book. It was a Mishnah or a book of Tanya. Holding it on his chest. And was singing the tunes jubilantly, joyously just like he would have done in the shul. And she writes in the memoirs that I found this to be a trying experience. For someone like myself, it's very difficult to de- describe the expression on my husband's face as he gave vent to these prayers, as he danced that covers with all his might. And she's sitting there, she describes sitting on a stool in the corner of the room watching and reflecting on his greatness, his strength, his love of the Torah. And I'm telling you this not because of that, their story, but I think, think of Simcha's Torah. Now, it's the climax of this festival rich month of Tishrei that we just celebrated. Tishrei, we began with Rosh Hashanah on the anniversary of creation, the day which we proclaim God's sovereignty over the world, and we recommit ourselves to our mission in life. Ten days later, we had Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the year in which God forgave our sins, and we touched base with the incorruptible purity and goodness at the core of each of our souls. And a few days later, we have the festival now of Sukkot that we're celebrating our unity with each other and with God and the festivity and the joy. And now we're reaching Simchas Torah, the greatest heights, this festivity, the joy, the bond with the Torah, we're celebrating the completion of the Torah and Simchas Torah. And so, we think about it. Torah is the lifeblood of the Jew. It's our, it's our mandate as a people. It's our marriage contract, our, our relationship with God. It's our guide to life. And in order to ensure that Torah remains a constant presence in our life, Moshe instituted that we should read publicly from the Torah every single Shabbos, and so we read the parsha in our shuls, we study the parsha, we live with the parsha each week. Now, originally there were two Torah reading cycles. There was a three-year cycle and a one-year cycle. Today we only do the one-year cycle. But each parsha is divided, we know, into seven parts for the seven people who called up to the Torah on Shabbos. But we also live each day of the week studying a portion of it. And we call that living with the times. We align our lives with the teaching of the Torah by constantly looking into the Torah portion of the week and to the sub-portion of the day. 
for guidance and inspiration on all the issues that we face in our lives. And now, Sunchas Torah, we conclude the annual Torah reading cycle and immediately started anew. And so there's a tremendous joy and celebration that we're going to celebrate. Tomorrow night, it begins. And so, if you're in shul, we have the hakafas, and we celebrate our bond with the Torah. We, we take all the Torah scrolls out of the ark, out of the ark in Kaddish, and we march with them in a procession that surrounds the bima, the Torah reading platform in the center of the shul seven times. And each hakafa, each circuit around the bima, we have lively dancing with the Torah. We express our joy in the Torah, and the Torah's joy in us. Right? That's the name of the holiday. Simchas Torah, literally the rejoicing of the Torah. And what's interesting is, we don't celebrate our connection with the Torah by, with lectures and study sessions. Although the Torah contains many profound ideas and teachings, that's not the essence of it. The essence of our relationship with Torah is our absolute commitment to carrying out the divine will. A commitment that transcends all intellectual calculations and considerations. Like Rabbi Levi Yitzchak's self-sacrifice dancing with the Torah. And he didn't even have an actual Torah, just a book of Torah, Mishnah. So instead of engaging intellectually with the Torah, we take the Sefer Torah and the Shul as it's rolled up, covered by its mantle, and we dance with it, or Sephardic Torah is of the case. And this expresses our connection that involves not just our head or our mind, but our entire being. Down to our feet, as the Friedrich Rebbe said, the Torah wants to dance on Sanchas Torah, but the Torah doesn't have feet, so we become the dancing feet of the Torah. When we celebrate any joyous event, the atmosphere and the environment it feeds and intensifies our feelings of joy and exhilaration. And you know the feeling of Simchas Torah HaKafas. Right? You've been to Shul, you know what I mean. We're swept along, we're lifted up by the singing, the dancing, the sight of, of many others rejoicing together with us. It's a genuine joy that comes from within, from the inner connection that each of us has with the Torah. And so I think the message and lesson we can take from Rabbi Yitzchak's HaKafas in that desolate hovel in Shiali where he was exiled, he had nothing, no shul, no Torah scroll, no crowd of, of fellow people celebrating with him. Only the pure, unadulterated joy of his deep soul connection with the Torah. And that enabled him to experience genuine joy even under such miserable, difficult conditions that he and his wife were subjected to. And I think this lesson is most pertinent to us this year. Thank God, fortunately, we're not exiled to any remote, primitive village. No murderous regime is trying to destroy our faith. But we are in the midst of a pandemic. And so it's not the same Simchas Torah. Even if you are in shul, it's certainly going to be different. And for those who aren't in shul, you're stuck at home. Remember, you're never stuck alone. Celebrate. Dance with your Torah. Remember, it's the essence that counts. The inherent joy that we experience when we celebrate our bond with the Torah. And I think that's an important message and lesson to us on this day is to celebrate with it. You're never, ever alone. So if you're there with the Torah, you feel stuck in any way, you're never stuck. 
Just think about Reb Levi Yitzchak. What did he do when he was out there, out in, in Kazakhstan, out in his remote exile? He danced with a book of the Torah. Do it in your home. Grab a book. Dance around your, your table. Dance with your family. If you don't have family around, do it yourself. But celebrate. Make the most of it. Make it a celebration that you will feel the joy and awaken within yourself that authentic feeling that you could truly celebrate your Torah.